0: On the Pilot's TV Podcast this week, we are ushering in the new year with the end of the world in the latest adaptation of Stephen King's The Stand on Stars Play. We're strapping in for the battle of the dojos in season three of Netflix's Cobra Kai and heading back to Elizabethan England with a witch and a horny vampire in the long-delayed second season of A Discovery of Witches. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, but more importantly, welcome to 2021. A brand new year full of brand new telly with a brand new super infectious strain of COVID and a brand new lockdown looming. <laughs> Happy New Year! But while January may be busy having a game of shit show one-upmanship with December, none of that matters because we are back in your ears. Yes, we're a little sleepier, we're a little rounder, and we are full of enough chocolate to put a two-ton hippo into a diabetic Homer, but all three of us did survive our quarantine Christmas, where, without work or the ability to go outside, we completely broke with our regular habits and were forced to spend two solid weeks watching television. But But it is a bold new year, and with a new year comes New Year's resolutions. And joining me are two people planning to become at least 300% better versions of themselves in 2021. First of all, we have Boyd Hilton. He is a man whose New Year's resolution I firmly believe will be in keeping with his favourite narrative device. Thus, we will see him begin January by showing us what he'll be doing <laughs> next December before the story flashes back to January with a little 12 months earlier title card. It's Boyd Hilton. Happy New Year. Boyd!
1: <laughs> Happy New Year. Well, that's. I think that's one of your finest ever introductions to me. Thanks.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Boyd. <laughs> Joining us both, of course, is award-winning magazine editor, best-selling memoirist and shameless West Wing Johnny-come-lately, Terry White, whose New Year's resolution seems to be seems to be finally accepting that I am generally right and the TV shows that I love are great, a point I feel may be reinforced later in this very show. Terry, how are you?
2: I'm very good, thank you, James Day. You are so unbelievably chipper. And as this <laughs> is, the f- you know, the first Monday of what has already proven in three days to be an incredibly challenging year <laughs> uh, uh, your buoyancy is quite challenging
0: well you know i'm trying to offset the general shit show at the fuck factory vibe that uh, that this year andy need last year is clearly set on giving us but uh yeah uh, i mean we've had a couple of weeks i'm gonna go out on a limb and say you've both watched a decent amount of telly uh-huh. tell me about it with oh, the God, caveat yeah. oh, here we with go. the caveat here we go <laughs> that you have to stay on brand so i don't care what little megs oh, have been up no. to oh, you I love this. can i
2: just say he only fucking enforces the brand <laughs> yeah. rules yeah. when it suits him because the oh, rest God. of the time they flex and bend and break all over yeah. the fucking shop yeah.
0: Luckily for me, all the things I like fall firmly on brand. Do so they know?
2: Works out quite well.
0: Do they know? I think they do. Do they Fine. know? Okay. H- how is Little Mix, Terry? <laughs> tell me. Tell me all about Little Mix. Well,
2: Little Mix, James, are now a three-piece because one of their members quit just before Christmas, Jesse. Did they? So, yep. So, you know.
0: So it's an even littler mix. <laughs> Very good.
2: Very good. <laughs> that was quite good for you. Um, yeah. But, um, Boy D, tell me yeah. what you thought about Christmas twenty twenty telly. I know you are the 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 shining light of optimism and, <laughs> and joy, but what did you um, think?
1: It was a bit crap. Yeah, it mm. was a bit crap. Um I mean I think because I think we were all disappointed by Black Narcissus and to some extent The Serpent, um, although I've watched more of The Serpent because I read some quite good better reviews of it than I expected so i watched i've got up to like episode 4 of the serpent now and it is get, does get better i think it exerts exerts a grip um kind of weirdly two episodes to three episodes in so but i think because those they're, the those big um showcase dramas didn't didn't feel that exciting to us and and to me, that it felt a bit disappointing. And there was no, there was no like big comedy revival like last no. year. We Gavin and Stacey, the biggest show ever. There was nothing like that this year at all, and, unless you count Mrs Brown's Boys, and I don't. Um, <laughs> so it felt disappointing in that point of view. I think Netflix did a pretty. I, I enjoyed Bridgerton, which I was going to mention, um, which landed on the Christmas Day. I think they did a good job making that feel like a big event, um, mm. and watching it was highly enjoyable i thought it was very entertaining great fun one one of the biggest disappointments though for me i was going to say this in in, in anyway was um was the charlie brooker show Have you oh my both God. watched the charlie brooker I show couldn't yeah. Agree yeah. 20. could not oh agree my more God. so i love charlie brooker um i, I everything he's ever done I, I, I can't think of anything he's ever done that i don't didn't absolutely love except for this one death 2020 which was this big hugely you know um incredible cast of people that got in it um you know hugh grant samuel l jackson lisa kudrow um and it was kind of like screen wipe but like with a-list celebrities involved and more of a piss take of the whole idea of talking head tv mm. i guess um uh, but it just it just was not funny and and i really and i really it was a, painfully disappointing to me. And I am and, and I think it did, un- it's the oldest cliche about satire, isn't it? That the world is so mad now that hmm. satire is, is it, it, it becomes almost irrelevant. This show, and I don't think that's true, by the way, I, I like, I think, you know, if you think of something like Russell T Davies' Years and Years, that is satirical hmm. in its way, and did say a lot of stuff about what's going on in the modern world in a very interesting way way. This did feel completely hampered by the fact that none of the humour was as mad as the reality. So Lisa Kudrow's character, for example, that was a kind of a piss-take of a Republican talking head on, on CNN was nowhere near as crazy as the real ones, or as funny. Like, the real ones are funnier and weirder and crazier than she was. And it made the point that, you know, they all, that all those people say oh, they're not allowed an outlet. <laughs> they have no freedom to say what they want to say, when, of course, they're on TV 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But it was not funny. Uh, and it was really disappointing, and I felt, yeah, I was gutted by that. So that was one of my main... Disappointment oh my God. Really, for the
2: whole um, thing. Like, boy, it's like you've read my notes because I wrote <laughs> some notes saying I really hate you when people say, How can you be as weird as the real thing when we live in such insanity? And I think that's largely nonsense. But and Lisa Kudrow is the exact thing. Um so she stood in the grounds of the White House, you know, answering um these questions and just, you know, basically saying up is down down is up and but the the writing was so much softer than some of the stuff you've seen yeah. on Fox News that it wasn't funny and it was it was interesting because I like ran literally ran down the stairs to put on my telly and watch this i was so <laughs> yeah. excited and i was like oh god thank god it felt like such a treat and I kept waiting and I was there and I was waiting and you met and you know Hugh Grant's character um as that that is kind of stuffy <laughs> academic and again like his bits weren't really that funny I mean no. he looked amazing the work the work they'd done in terms of prosthetics and what have you actually was really impressive but the the content itself it was really weird and I kept persevering I kept waiting for the moment when you were like oh I get it this is the thing and mm. then i was like but it, it, it isn't it was so disappointing and i didn't even want to talk about it on social because i didn't want to be that person who was like yeah same oh this no, is really yeah. because i didn't want to be that negative voice but i was so underwhelmed unbelievably underwhelmed
1: yeah. and the hugh got like he yeah he was the same like it was like david starkey but yeah. toned down yeah. like a, a kind of it's like what i don't like Why? So I think they hadn't quite decided what tone the show should be because I was reminded some of, to some extent of A Touch of Cloth, which was the completely out and out, hilarious, ridiculous silly, spoof cop show that they did that went for, had three series on Skyrim and I loved it and it was brilliantly stupid it was like airplane kind of mm. humour and there was a bit of that in this, but then it stopped short of being that and then it had to go really serious as well when it was dealing with the racism and Black Lives Matter and stuff so I just didn't uh, yeah, uh, it just didn't work. Yeah, but I, I feel like stop talking about it now because I don't want to keep <laughs> banging on back how annoyingly disappointing it was. Um, so yeah, but Bridgerton was fun. That wasn't you know the the Netflix thing. I don't know if anyone's discovered it. The Netflix guilty pleasure of all guilty pleasures, even by Emily in Paris style, is a thing called Tiny Pretty Things. Have you heard of this?
2: Yeah, this was a big, wasn't it? A big network show in the US.
1: No, I think it's it's um I think it's a Netflix original. There, there's loads of t- titles like Little Big Little Lies, yeah. Little Pretty Dirt- Things. A, it's another one of those shows.
0: There's Dirty Pretty Things, wasn't there? That's Dirty a film. Things, there's yeah, Pretty Little Liars.
1: Uh, exactly. The Big Little Lies. Right. This tiny is tiny Pretty Things, who may or may not be liars.
2: Tiny Pretty Things.
1: <laughs> yeah, and this is a Netflix original. I've just checked. It arrived just before Christmas. It is utterly mad and preposterous. It's set in a ballet school in Chicago and it opens with a a, a girl being (laughs) thrown off a roof of the ballet school by a masked figure and she leaves a space open to the ballet dancing students to compete for to get it. So it's like a kind of murder mystery ballet melodrama incredibly kitsch camp thing it's got two beautiful guys sharing a room who have sex with each other secretly and one of them's got a girlfriend is in is ostensibly completely straight but obviously isn't it's a, like a it's got a mad madly camp over the top tone honestly just have to watch like five minutes of it is it good it is it's it's kind of it's no i mean it's it's kind of mostly <laughs> terrible but it's more so bad it's good than um, Emily in Paris like it's more oh my god uh, Emily crazy. in Paris I think you'll find Emily in Paris Emily
2: in Paris it,
1: it, <laughs> and it's got loads of, it's so much gratuitous sex and nudity which Emily in Paris ha- hasn't got really um, that so it has that over it and crazy crazy comedy storylines all the way through it is really funny it's really entertaining so that's my kind of Netflix thing that they completely did not publicise at all even less than the other things they don't publicise it was like just a rhyme it was like, <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) what's that and i saw some people uh, mentioning it on social media and it is absolutely mad but um entertaining and the final thing i have to mention is doctor who i did like the doctor who christmas special i don't know what terry thought but that i did i really enjoyed that which was like it threw everything into the mix daleks captain jack um Separating the doctor from the from the companions and then bringing them back together. I had a very emotional goodbye to two of the companions, um, Tosin Cole and uh, Bradley Walsh. And I did. I absolutely did. I, it made me cry. It made me laugh. I was very entertained by that. Some people didn't like it, but I thought it was incredibly entertaining. But there is Doctor Who news, obviously, to come later. Did, did you enjoy Doctor Who? Terry? I
2: didn't. I haven't seen it yet. Um, oh, we haven't so seen okay. I've spent a lot of time okay. with somebody who's not a Doctor Who fan so I'm saving it for a middle oh, of the okay. night on my own watch so
0: I've been my son.
2: My son's a misogynist and hates the fact there's a female Doctor <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I obviously know the Doctor Who news that we'll be getting to because I've been l- trying to walk around without seeing anything but that's obviously all pervasive I think James knows well I've been watching two things mainly one of which we'll get to later in reviews the other thing is um, I continued on with some West Wing binges n- namely specifically season three um, which I kind of did a whole bunch of them in in two days um, straight into I'm I'm kind of in the middle of episode um, season four at the moment and I've got to say and this is really hard to discuss because we are trying really hard not to do spoilers because we know lots of people are watching it as well and they're at different points in the in the watching of this, but I've got so much to say. Mainly that James Dyer is Josh. Like, I mean, I think I kind of <laughs> thought there would touch it. I mean, you've also got a touch of Toby, uh uh at times actually. I was thinking that over Christmas, but oh my god, there are some certain uh uh behavioural issues that so make James Josh. <laughs> weird about women um so i'm gonna say that and i I very much enjoyed his the romance again Trying not to say too much but his romance in season three um with With amy Amy gardner Gardner. i think we can say that yes I am obsessed with her. She is amazing. Oh, love Amy. Like, I was like, "Why aren't I like running a feminist think tank? Why am I sat here talking to you, Belen? <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? I
3: got this all wrong.
2: <laughs> um, I will say, I was not a fan of um, how they ended this season and kind of began. The next, I thought especially, I thought there was an interesting kind of new um, moral quandary for the president that I enjoyed. However, the episode, the um, uh, black Vera Wang, and then kind of where that leads you, just felt entirely undeserved and literally like somebody had gone, insert something to feel sad about, we can play some sad music here. And it just felt completely contrived and it made me really, really angry um, for a bit, kind of pulled it back in the um, in the final episode. And then I have to say, like 20 hours in America, part one and two. And this isn't a spoiler to say that Josh, Toby, and Donna are stranded in the middle of Hicksville, fucking middle of nowhere, sure. And they basically have to like make their own way across the country. The pacing of it didn't work for me. I was like, oh, I was pretty disappointed. And now <sighs> I'm worried How dare that you. because of all the things everybody keeps warning me about, about the direction this show is going. Are going quite quickly. I'm really having to like keep pushing on now because there were there were bits in in season three. I mean, the two Bartlets, for example, just what are you pulling
0: that <laughs> face for? What are you pulling that face
2: for?
0: It's the blasphemy. Bartlet I, I need America, to exercise the two you.
2: Bartlets, like there was some just brilliant episodes. Really, really. Oh, I thought you were no, about to no. say they were bad. I am saying okay, they were fine. good. <laughs> That's why I was oh, pulling no. the face. I was like, they what is there happening? There were some amazing standout episodes <sighs> okay. in season three. Episodes where I was like, I had to stop afterwards because I was like, I don't want to rush through this. I want to savour every incredible moment. And even when I just felt like they took narrative kind of easy steps, um, I kind of forgave it because there's so much brilliance in season three. Um, So now I'm I'm kind of on episode four, season four. And... You know, I still don't know what happens in the end. I still don't know what happens to any of them because I've deliberately not read anything. (laughs) And it's so amazing and weird to know I've got all of this in front of me and have, because I just, it's so rare these days that you don't know how something's Mm -hmm. likely to end up or going to end up, or you've not read a spoiler or you've not read. I know nothing about how any of these characters are going to end up. And I'm, you know, I'm not even halfway through yet. So that continues. And then my other big binge was Cobra Kai, which we will talk about
0: we will get onto you later in the show i will say like 20 hours america i i i I love that a lot i think it's great so self-indulgent I know, but it's brilliant. Uh, I like that a lot. It's yeah. I see. It. Three is a three is a great season. Four is a great season. It's like the only. I think the only wobble you'll have is like five. Just feels a bit mm. middle of the road. Like five. Five is very uneven. Uh, it has some moments in it. It has some really over the top stuff in it, and it has Jason Isaacs in it as well. But um, yes, five. Is but then once you get through five, once you get into six, it's home sailing again. So you know, you'll just have one wobbly season, then you'll be fine. But uh, I'm 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 glad that you are pressing on with it. I'm not sure how I feel about being Josh. I think I'll take that. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm, I'm reasonably happy with that. You, I think, oh my God, kind you of, love maybe. Being Josh,
2: don't even like give me that. Like you're so Yeah, kidding. of course you do. Yeah come on so right. humble
0: brag oh god all right i'll be josh if you want <laughs> fine i'll be josh yeah. then i, w- I yeah. wish i had much hair making as josh me, but, i have know. to say
2: it's making me laugh the light you can tell the moments when they're trying to confront some of the elephants in the room so if the elephant in the room for example was <laughs> the fact that maybe he he challenges to write women sometimes or there's you know a little bit of sexism in some of the banter um, in the Oval Office, it's amazing when he kind of, tr- theres a f- there's been a few moments where they've tried to reference that, where Sam gets called out by a newbie for demeaning, um, oh my God, what's the name? Republican, blonde?
0: Ainsley, yes, yes. He get One of the interns Give gives him shit for her her an intern, because what? she walks in yeah. in a really sexy yeah.
2: dress and he goes, oh, you'd make yeah. a, a good dog, oh, break oh, yeah. his leash. And-
0: Can't emphasize enough, this was nearly <laughs> yeah. 20 years ago. But
2: <laughs> what's amazing is, there's clearly a self-consciousness about it because then they've got the intern going, Oh my god, that was so demeaning. And he's like, "Is it? Ain't it? Did that demean you? Did that demean you? Did make you feel a like?" But, and then you know, the night when they um they all kind of get a little bit tipsy with the first lady and have you know the girls chat. Yeah. Uh, those, <laughs> uh, they are tickling me slightly. Their efforts to uh, centre yeah. the women.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I've not been watching any West Wing. You'll be surprised to hear over Christmas. What I have been watching is nearly 20 hours of Vikings. So I watched the whole of season five of Vikings. I'm now about five episodes into season six. I've done about 20 episodes of Vikings over Christmas. I have properly gone down the hole. Given that when I've not been watching Vikings, I've been playing this video game about Vikings. I'm basically now a Viking. So my whole holiday has been sort of pillaging and burning villages and you know that just whether it be watching it or playing it and now basically feel like I should be speaking Old Norse It's uh, it's been a very weird time for me I will say I don't know why well I do know why like I stopped watching Vikings but I used to love it and then that one episode which I talked about before Christmas kind of turned me off and I just dropped it and remember when we reviewed that episode of Vikings which was the first episode of season 6 and we were all a bit like meh what the hell is this all about it's rubbish um, I watched that episode again funnily enough had no recollection of it whatsoever it was like watching it for the first time really enjoyed it you know that Bruce vikings here and then you got this stuff going on there and we've moved left iceland behind which i'm reasonably happy about and i'm not going to go into story stuff because i'm going to spoil it for people who haven't got up to date but suffice it to say i have been loving the vikings uh and i'm i can't believe i was ever faithless enough to turn away from Katagut and all of my viking friends so i'm i'm enjoying being back there uh what else did i do i binge watched the rest they some some fool at cbs sent me all the remaining episodes of discovery uh apart from the finale. So I watched all of those over Christmas. I think most of them pretty much have aired now, but I'm still, I'm still a bit tepid. I gotta be honest. I am still pretty tepid about Discovery. This season, which started very strongly, I thought, has really taken a bit of a dip. I think I, uh, I I can't even remember. I think I reviewed this in a magazine based on the first, I think four episodes. And I thought, I thought this was gonna be a really strong season. I do think it has lost its way a little bit. Maybe the finale will redeem it. We'll find out next week, but that's where I am at the moment. It
1: didn't make it into our top 20 then. Which Thank you, which God it didn't it make it to our top 20, yes.
0: Yeah. I have also obviously been watching The Expanse. So New Year's Eve, I watched the most recent episode of The Expanse, best New Year's Eve I've ever spent, sat there on my own with no excuse, because it's not like I could go anywhere anyway. I had a Zoom call scheduled in for later on, but I sat there and I watched the most recent episode of The Expanse, and it was a stormer, an absolute stormer. <laughs> Loved every second of it. So you both missed you out. You also
1: finally finished The Undoing as well, and we know that because you um, sent yes, us a message I- in WhatsApp. Yes, <laughs> jeez.
0: Well, I told you, didn't
1: I? I told you that I was going to, uh, that that was going to be my my Christmas
0: trash, because I didn't have you this year. I was going to watch The Undoing, so I was saving it for Christmas. So yes, you're right, I'd completely forgotten that. I watched all of The Undoing over Christmas, and again, it was exactly what you said. It's just absolute rubbish from top to bottom, yet weirdly compelling, and you can't stop watching it. And Nicole Kidman's facial expressions (laughs) during that show, someone should compile some kind of image gallery, because it is quite extraordinary. And the bit where she is running from the helicopter, (laughs) and I Remember yeah. you two mentioning that scene, but I yeah, couldn't remember why bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the
1: helicopter. because like, it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. She just runs straight through they they, they, <laughs> make, oh, they no. make a brilliantly lame attempt to stop her, the, the, the police and yeah. they're like, yeah, No, don't run. No. no, she's gone. That's it. Can't catch her. It's couldn't possibly run after her. Yeah. It's done. <laughs> A lot of people, a lot, a lot of um, people on Twitter uh, mentioned to me that they were surprised it wasn't in out in the top twenty, and it wasn't in my personal top twenty. I was like, really? "Well, there is a reason for that." I mean its mm. it isn't. Inc- it wasn't incredibly entertaining, but utter bollocks. <laughs> it's rubbish.
3: <laughs> it's just rubbish.
1: <laughs> it's fun rubbish, but it is rubbish. There's no way so of
0: fun. getting around that. Yeah. <sighs> wow. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I watched a, I watched a fair old fair old bit of stuff over Christmas, and uh, you know, Vikings. Hooray.
1: Is Vikings actually any good? Vikings is pulpy
0: fun. I like to think so. Okay. Vikings I think started very short. Was it Vikings was an interesting one because I think it was meant to be a mini series, like a one one and done mini series on History Channel, and it was so runaway successful that it became this thing that's now been going on for sort of six seasons. Uh, although it's slightly confusing because they break each season into yeah. two chunks so you get and part one and part two and it's
1: on two channels it's on history and amazon yeah it's,
0: it's funny isn't it? but here's the thing and I, and I have to get this off my chair why is the amazon player such utter shit <laughs> like this is a thing that really annoys. like the netflix player is a delight to use it knows what you've been watching it knows what you should be watching it knows what you will watch in the future which is creepy but sure and it keeps track of exactly where you are and you pick up where you left off amazon doesn't give a shit how many episodes you've watched it basically says i want you to watch the most recent episode of Vikings." you're like well i haven't seen season four four or five no no you're going to watch the most recent episode of vikings well i literally yesterday watched most of season five so can i pick up where i left off no no you can't season six part two has dropped you're going to watch that now and it will not will not remember where i'm up to it insists on trying to make me watch the latest episode which strikes me as incredibly mm. bad ui design also what's with the fucking adverts like why am i having to watch adverts before every single episode i know you can it's skip crazy. them. i yeah, know you crazy. can, but it's just like This is a paid-for service. Do not advertise shit to me. Go away. Oh, totally. Yeah. Raging at it.
1: Yeah. It's annoying. It's really annoying. They had live football on, which I'm not going to discuss properly, but they had live a lot of live football on over Christmas and their coverage was so weird. That adverts in that. It's like, no, we're paying you huge amounts of money for this. <laughs> yes. and off um, your adverts. Yeah. And it took about 8,000 clicks to get to the right match. It, was, it, <laughs> it is weirdly clunky there. Um, there's no yeah.
0: you are watching thing. You know how Netflix is continue watching? Like it knows yeah. what you're currently watching. You're in the middle of this series. Here it is. This is the episode you're on. Yeah. Amazon Every single time I fire it up, I have to hunt around for where it's hidden Vikings today. Because sometimes it's from the home screen, sometimes you've got to scroll to the right, sometimes you've got to scroll to the left, sometimes it's up here, sometimes it's down there. Where are the fucking
1: Vikings? I love the idea. I love, I've got this image of you crazily trying to find Vikings on Amazon Prime. And it's basically, I think the answer to your question is no one else in the world is looking for it. <laughs> Apart from you.
0: So they've just, I mean, you know, I wouldn't buy, yeah. but this is supposed to be one of their big shows. Like, just make well, it easy. I know where the boys it? is. The boys is always in the middle of the screen, but nothing else can be found oh my anyway, god that is my that's that my first world Amazon Prime yeah, problem that was uh, yeah. that
2: was the privilege hour with James Dyer next week he'll moan about something else that he's normally entitled to that he doesn't get in quite the same way that he wants to get somewhere else
1: well why isn't Vikings you know. served up on a plate yeah. for me
2: give me yes. Vikings when I want Vikings in the exact yes. way that I want them
0: I want the episodes brought to me on a long boat accompanied by actual Vikings ah <sighs> right shall we move on to <sighs> this week's listener question which comes via Mark Walker and he simply says well he actually sent in a few but this was the only one I liked sorry Mark uh, which show <laughs> did the best recasting of a character
2: I hate this question <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Me too>.
1: sorry <laughs> Mark yeah, Terry cool. hated
0: this question I was just
2: like <laughs> yeah. oh I don't know Aunt Vivian Fresh Prince Carol and Friends don't really care about either of them but I've got to have something to say because <laughs> it's the question
0: the ca- okay t- the Carol and Friends one which is one of the most famous ones that's quite an interesting oh, one God, isn't it anita barone who who was who was in the pilot yes. and then got replaced by what's chase jane Sibbett. but apparently anita left because she wanted a more full-time gig but wasn't it jane Sibbett had already turned down the role of rachel? rachel like she was originally cast as rachel and then turned that down but then agreed to be carol that seems like a slightly odd that never, thing that
2: never like rang true to me that yeah i'm going to turn around being one of the main characters and and the <laughs> massive salary, and just be yeah. Ross's lesbian ex wife who comes in every just, now and then to get the piss taken out of her for being a lesbian, which is what mainly yeah. happened. Um, I mean, that's true. I did rewatch the pilot again recently, and I have to say that Carol number one, I don't like her. Like, the- and maybe it's because I know Carol number two, but you see, Carol number one was actually like, much more conventionally beautiful, quite quite kind of, you know, she actually looked much more like a Rachel, whereas Carol number two had a bit more of an edge to her, which I liked. She but did. But you know what? Yeah. I don't know I don't feel any of these opinions particularly strongly. I just felt like I had to say <laughs> something because it was the real
3: question. <laughs>
1: I, th- I I do you know what I asked I kind of miss I, I kind of didn't pay that much attention to the question so I thought uh, the best I don't really care about as as Terry I agree with Terry but the mo- the weirdest I think the weirdest character um, replacements of a- actors replacing other actors because there are some amazing stories like I've gone for Becky Connor in Roseanne oh God yes that yeah, is the weirdest that's the weirdest well it's one of the weirdest because it started out with Lacy Garansons how you pronounce her name mm, she yeah, was the first Becky. Lazy, maybe. Yeah. Lacey, Lacy, whatever. She was the first, she played us from first five seasons. Yeah. Then Sarah Chalk came in to play for season six. Seven and then Lisa came back for season eight. Then Sarah Chalk came back for season nine, and apparently I didn't even know this. Lisa's yeah. back for season ten. Well, so they're that, alternating. Like, yeah, like, they're What's literally happening? alternating. <laughs> what is happening with Becky Connor like and Roseanne? It's a timeshare role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was yeah. like the be- the mo- the weirdest. And Ben Mitchell. I know this is off brand, and you'll you'll probably cut this Mitchell. out. Ben Mitchell. Ben Mitchell in EastEnders has been played by Classic. six. Count them, six actors. Don't play and, out. You know, he's basically replaced every other year anyway. And there was a period where they kind of all looked the same because when he was a boy, he wore glasses and he was quite a quite a striking look as a little fo- little boy with, with a glasses. Look, then now he's completely different. Doesn't anything like any of those previous incarnations of Ben Meshel and Eastenders? So he, he is a very entertaining recasting um, of a character story. And that, there's loads in, in, in the Game of Thrones, aren't there? So Game of Thrones seems to have recast characters like every other week
0: well yeah the most famous The Mountain was recast twice so it was Conan Stevens yeah. originally and then he went off to be Bolg the Orc in the first Hobbit film and then Ian White replaced him and looked nothing like him and then you got uh, Thor what's his name Halfor Julius Bjornson, the Icelandic dude massive massive, and he looks nothing like Ian White but looks weirdly identical to Conan Stevens so it was a slightly odd bit of casting there for The Mountain and then the other one was Dario Naharis yeah where, Dario Naharis I was thinking of yeah it. Ed Skrein got replaced by Michael Hussman and but what's weird about this is Michael Hussman is brilliant in the role, and Ed Skrine was not. But the only reason Husband got cast is because I think Scrine had the transporter refueled to make, so he he just couldn't do it. And so, but he's supposed to be this like incredibly hot love interest. And I'm not saying Ed Scrine is hideous, but like, you put him and Michael Husband together, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like I, I think Husband, I understood what was going on there. I <laughs> didn't really understand it beforehand.
1: Fan, you fancy? Like I do fancy Ed Skrine over, Yes, that is what I'm saying. Ed Skrine. even though Ed Scrine is a bit of a sec, is a bit of a hunky sex is, symbol. Yeah. Um, is it? Yeah. I don't know what course yeah, okay. he is. Course he is. You're all right. And what's weird so. is, but it's Brian. He he's spoken in interviews it, weirdly about politics being part of, it, like he's vaguely spoken Ooh. about like how he was how he was chucked on the show and wasn't really happy about it. Oh, there's more so to think, it than the transporter yeah, refuelling. You're saying. I think there's more saying. to it. I think there's <laughs> more to it. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't know that. What that is, I don't know
0: okay good stuff uh what else have we got well i've talked about spartacus before that wasn't so much that was a tragic recasting because uh, andy whitfield died i got replaced by uh liam mcintyre but that's when i stopped i stopped watching that show then i wouldn't watch it after he got recast what else have we got what else there's a seinfeld one isn't there i'm surprised you haven't mentioned Boyd. Oh yeah
1: yeah george's dad uh, no no actually um uh jerry's dad sorry jerry's dad was replaced by a much better much funnier version the first version in season one, I think, was, was a fairly kind of straightforward, not particularly interesting. And then they made him much more extreme, shouty, eccentric figure. Hang um, on, are you sure um, it wasn't George's that? dad? Yeah, Frank George- Costanza. Uh, maybe both of them were. Maybe both dads. All the dads were replaced. All the dads, Yeah. Oh, yeah, only one episode. Sorry, you're right, yeah. Jerry Siller took over from John Randolph, who was in one episode. But they, both of them were replaced. Morty Seinfeld was replaced as well. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, so both of their dads mm. were replaced. Barney Martin played Morty Seinfeld afterwards and was really funny. Both of the, both of the dads were really, really funny, eventually, <laughs> when they recast them. Yeah.
0: When they got recast, yes.
1: When they got they recast. They found their niche. What kind of blew my
0: mind, I didn't realise this, is that, Terry, you'll remember this. you remember Caitlin Cooper? Uh, Marissa's little sister in the OC was originally Shailene Woodley. Was she? Yeah, and she got recast because she was actually the right age. She was supposed to be playing a fourteen-year-old, but but Woodley's gotten records saying that she goes, she goes, I didn't go through puberty until late, so I looked like an (laughs) eight-year-old. So when she got a bit older, they recast her, so she looked like she'd gone through puberty. So Shailene Woodley got got dumped. Wow, (laughs) She, she got dumped for looking too young. Oh. Poor Shireen Woodley. The other one I would mention is, obviously, Jadzia Dax, you will all remember, did not make it to the end of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, replaced, of course, by Esri Dax. This is because Terry Fowle wanted to leave the show, and Nicole de came in, but it wasn't so much a recasting as the Dax symbiote was simply implanted in a new host, which is an interesting way of getting through that little recasting issue. Thrilled by that, aren't you, Terry? Oh, God. (laughs) Excellent. Any more? Or have you, this this question, you know, of, of Mark's that you just couldn't really be asked with, are we done with that? I bet
2: his other questions were better that you rejected. Any money?
0: Did you? Yeah. Is that what you think? Yeah, I don't remember what they were. Well, yeah. I didn't seem yeah. to save them, so I don't know what they are. <laughs> yeah anyway that was our listener question uh, thank you very much for that Mark I hope that helped you in some fashion uh, if you would like a question answered on the Pilot TV podcast do send it in to us via direct message to at Pilot TV pod or you can send it to me at James C Dyer as well we still don't have a replacement for the Banshee segment because I've not had the time or really the inclination to try and think of one so just bear with us for now we should get people to suggest. They have. Yeah. Kind of, right. But I haven't liked the suggestions, so I've Aye. just laughed. Well, most of the suggestions we've had so far have involved me having to do more work, so I've rejected them on general yeah. principle, because if any if any suggestion requires we me truth. to watch more than I'm already watching, it's a flat no. It's like, I'm not watching stuff. That's not happening.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. That's just like- limit. Fairly limit.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: So,
2: uh, yeah. It has to be. But it's like,
0: hey, here's a really good idea. Why don't you re-watch all of em- No, absolutely not. I already <laughs> Have no free time. Stop trying to make me watch 10 more hours of television a week. No. Um, I was thinking of doing uh, a Boyd segment just called Reverse Ferret, where Boyd reevaluates things that he didn't
2: like. Don't so give him Boyd oh, your yeah. work. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Me but that's more, fine. Like, yeah, plastic. Yeah, but you absorb everything through osmosis, Boyd. I firmly believe that nothing goes by that you haven't watched.
1: Yeah, well, that's true. But what, we could all do that. We could all do reverse ferry. We not have to just. You change your mind about reverse stuff. Reverse ferry is, is an option. Okay. Um, right, we're going to take a quick break
0: now, but we will be back after this vital messaging. Now, time for this week's news. And I'm going to kick off news with a press release that dropped into my inbox this very morning, as we record on Monday. And it was that Star, which is the adult, not that way, version of Disney+, Plus, which lands with us on the 23rd of February, has announced what it will be beginning with, which is a number of original shows uh, and a number of less original shows as well. So, Big Sky, which is a David E. Kelly show, uh, starring Catherine Winnick, who terry you will of course remember as lagatha the shield maiden from vikings
2: Lagatha, the shield i want to be a shield maiden
0: you'd make a good shield maiden i i, I firmly believe do that i have to fight well yeah that's kind of what they Great. do i mean like stave people's heads in with like axes yes. and stuff that's you know yes it's very on brand for <laughs> you yes. uh, but, yeah, <laughs> but this is a, this is a thriller about private detectives uh which i could be good. I'm sure we'll be reviewing it, but that, I think, is going to drop. I don't know if it's dropping uh, immediately, the, the channel launches, but that's the first of their originals. Love Victor, which is the TV spin-off of Love Simon, is also coming to star when it launches. Ooh. That's very exciting. Mm. You saw Love Simon, I'm assuming? Yes. Yes, yes. Yes, I
2: reviewed it for... Um, uh, what did you give it, I gave Terry? it four stars. Very well deserved. And what was that? Three years ago maybe less mm, and was that while, was you know it? the first studio movie with a same-sex relationship at the heart of the story uh and i thought they cre- they created such a charming mm. uh charming 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 world and i it really reminded me of 80s teen movies um and it had that spirit that john hughes-esque spirit um so that's exciting
0: it was a lovely lovely film Mm. it was a real heart warmer which uh hopefully i think translates into this as well
1: the dude from that is in as in a teacher which i'll be mentioning later uh Mm. nick robinson
3: oh
0: also launching on star uh when it drops is 24 24 will be on star lost will be on star desperate housewives will be on there how i met your mother prison break the x-files atlanta blackish and wait for this a selection of titles from the Die Hard franchise whatever the Ooh. fuck that means so presumably the films they have the right yes. to do it surely is all of them because they're all fox films i don't know quite what's going on there but a selection of titles from the Die Hard franchise will be available at launch
1: maybe they're so, so- embarrassed by some of the later ones <laughs> yeah, being so a- shit they decided not to bother
0: <laughs> the latter was the one with jai courtney was that that wasn't, oh, wasn't yeah. live free Terrible. a good day to die four. i don't remember uh there was are there only news? three die-hard films so i think we can all agree i there. mean that set piece yeah.
2: in the tunnel was not bad
0: i have no mm. recollection of the set piece yeah, the set in the piece tunnel. tunnel was good yeah. which one was that in the jai courtney one yeah oh, yeah but no, but that the, was the, own, yeah, bit that of the, that was the opening yeah yeah
2: I don't remember.
0: I've blocked that film out. It traumatised me too much. Anyway, Star is launching on the 23rd of February. It's going to have a load of good old stuff. It's going to have some good new stuff. And I, for one, am very excited by this new European Hulu. So... There you go.
1: I mean, any other person hosting a um, TV, a topical TV podcast would have started with the news that Doctor Who might be leaving. Doctor Who, for fuck's sake. I mean, I don't watch it.
2: Well, no, The Doctor, not Doctor Who. The Doctor, The
0: Doctor. I I hereby revoke your Whovian credentials. Even I know that, boy.
1: Well... Except actually, some of the some of the showrunners of doctor Who now refer to the character as Doctor Who, so you know.
2: But we, it was always, it's always been a big no-no. Yeah,
1: I know, I know. Anyway, <laughs> the, the the fact the, the fact is that Jodie Whitaker, according to the Daily Mirror front page news, Nicola, so Metz, it must be true. Well, I think it probably is yeah, true. I, I think it's we have true. to accept that it, or it is that it, it's true because they're not they're not going to go with such a big. Story, unless they've checked their facts and their sources and and it makes sense I think it's no surprise to me at all that she is leaving if, if indeed it's true I mean the BBC won't confirm it but I think it's almost certainly true because um she, first of all she's, she's an absolutely massively in demand actor she's probably one of the best actors of her generation certainly the TV stuff she's done and you know the film stuff she's worked the indie films she's worked on before Doctor Who was brilliant she was absolutely phenomenal mm. in, in all of those things everything she's ever done so I think she would have always have wanted to be in Doctor Who for a limited time, you know, three, four years and then go back to an incredibly successful and versatile and varied acting career. And also, I think generally, like most of the doctors of recent times, apart from David Tennant, you know, in the kind of reboot of Doctor Who, going back to Russell T. Davis's era, I haven't done it for that long, I've done it for two or th- for three, three series seems to be about, three and a half series, you know, seems to be about the amount of time that the actors like Peter Capaldi, Matt Smith have given to the show, so it's not it's not a massive shock, I don't think. But it's a shame because I think she's absolutely brilliant and I love her.
2: I I think you're right, Bridget, because also I thought the BBC statement was interesting because they just said we we won't comment yeah. on on which I think if it was if it was on i think they'd have probably denied it and i think you're mm, yeah. right i think it's um it was clearly a story that newspaper were very confident about and it is it seems like the right kind of length of time i i still feel that potentially she hasn't been entirely done justice to i think she's had some amazing episodes um it's lacked a little bit of the consistency i think arguably that previous doctors have afforded and there's kind of this uh, you know a bit of a um chris chibnall uh, I suppose not backlash. I think that's too strong a word, but people kind of, you know, suggesting that maybe if Jodie leaves, that would be the time for a new showrunner. Because I think that it's clear that um, Chris Chibnall will be will be staying on as as showrunner yeah. after that. Um, but I think, you know, I think it's when you think about the kind of immediate backlash when Jodie was announced, how kind of weirdly effortlessly that that this. Iteration of the Doctor And her execution of the Doctor Has actually been taken to people's hearts Like fans and and more casual mm. viewers And all of that kind of I don't know if everyone remembers Like quite how violently horrible It was for a while mm. That really kind of anti, anti Not anti her But anti a woman being the Doctor Um, And that just kind of disappeared And I think she's such an interesting actor And I think all of the weird We've talked about this before Every actor brings their own weird. Weird little quirks and and weird interpretation of the doctor, especially the doctor's kind of slight idiosyncratic behaviour and the the little the little weird things that makes the doctor the doctor. And each person brings their own things, and I've really enjoyed her interpretation of the doctor. So I'm dead sad to see her yeah. go.
1: Yeah, it will be very interesting to see what, what where they go next yes good the other thing that happened was they announced that john bishop joining the show mm-hmm. was announced mm-hmm. after the uh, new year's day special went out and a very and i think that was a massively well-kept secret i hadn't i hadn't yeah. heard about that at all they had a special little film thing showing him um talking about him to, uh, revealing his arrival um i really like john bishop it got again it got a lot of people pointing out that you know has has the showrunner got a thing for middle-aged white comics joining the show because he's basically like they're getting rid of well bradley walsh has left now john bishop comes in um which there is a point that they have a point but i really like john bishop i have to say and i think i'm quite excited by the fact there is a tradition of having funny comedy actors in the show um you know for years and years and years so it makes sense within that context i think
2: well you also just think rounding out that kind of trio with with Yaz, I think yeah. having John Bishop's character Dan, um, and you know, even though obviously it's a fictional character and they're not going to base it entirely on him, you can you, that that gentle wit that Bradley Walsh's character had, and then I think you're going to have here, and it'll be. A, I just think the three of them together could yeah. be a really interesting, warm, lovely, funny, um, uh, combination because Bradley Walsh's character like. Graham completely brought a different tone and a different vibe and really undercut stuff if it was if it was too earnest occasionally and I think just having that that different tone in there um, because I think people sometimes forget that you know Doctor Who is funny is really really funny and that's a really important part of the mix.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's good that they're going. Sorry, one more thing, James. James is so bored by the discussion of Doctor Who. He's literally <laughs> like staring so, into space. I don't care. <laughs> I, no, well, we didn't care about Vikings, but we you know we listen to that. Um, the other thing yeah. that, if they're reducing it to two companions, effectively yeah. Yaz and John Bishop, I think that makes sense because I I did feel like the the show struggled to give the three companions enough stuff to do um yeah. and enough and to differentiate them enough that was i think that was one of the flaws i think one of the criticisms i would have of of the show in the light since since jodie whittaker joined so i think it's good that yaz will have time to hopefully have more room to breathe and get her own stuff to do along with john bishop's character sorry sorry james
0: sorry uh, we're back are we okay excellent <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah Such um back prick. from this discussion <laughs> of major news
2: yeah <laughs> yeah james goes right so we opened the news section with James yeah. reading a press release. Yeah. So yeah. You literally exactly. said, we're going to start this with a press release that no. just landed in my inbox. No, As no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No.
0: Everyone's getting Hulu. You, get Hulu. you get a Hulu. You get a Hulu. Everyone gets a Hulu and there's new stuff on the new Hulu. That is news. Doctor Who gets a new Doctor. <laughs> ah, whatever.
2: Reading a press release isn't news. Journalists, <laughs> we're going to teach you about journalism yeah. one day, yeah. James.
1: Also, also, I thought the reason why, the when you said a uh, 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 press release dropped into my inbox i thought you were going to announce the much more exciting fact that the oc is arriving in full on all four in a couple of weeks time on the 22nd of january complete with shiny woodley no i didn't i didn't get that press release (laughs) oh well that press release dropped into my inbox this morning and that is quite exciting
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's how the theme tune never went um (laughs) yeah all our
1: christmas Christmas, (laughs) very good very
0: good yes all our christmas at once that's exciting um i don't think we're getting another haunting which, uh, which was something Mike Flanagan was mentioning over Christmas. I think it happened to actually pretty much before Christmas, but we didn't get to talk about it on the show. Was that uh, he pretty much said that he had no plans for a further haunting in the wake but of he's Bly Manor and... series for Netflix, isn't he? He's, done, yeah, he's already like he's not finished up television
1: yeah. or anything. Yeah, absolutely. No, but, but yeah. But I mean, he's made an, a, a horror a horror series for for yeah. Netflix, an original horror. Yeah, yeah.
0: But it's funny isn't it? Because people have started talking about these as if it's like as if Blind Manor was season two of the Haunting series, and I never saw it that way. I saw The Haunting of Hill House as a stand standalone miniseries and The Haunting of Blind Manor as a standalone miniseries like you know I they were based on different source materials I mean obviously the same person kind of behind them but mm. yeah, I, so like, oh, there's not going to another season. I never really saw them that way.
1: Well, there's definitely a branding exercise was going on, wasn't there? There definitely were... So they're both were, hauntings, yes. They were both hauntings. They were both adaptations of classic ghost stories. Yes, And they, they had were. cast, shared cast members. I mean, there was definitely a yeah, thing. Okay. It was definitely, yeah. So, so it was I kind mean, of anthology-esque, not I guess. All right, You're fine,
0: fine. All right, I mean, I'm entirely <laughs> right? right? They were clearly fine. the same series. Yeah, <laughs> they could easily
1: have done a third haunting based on another classic with the same story with the same cast and show run by by
0: him but they're not okay so rolling back everything i just said it's (laughs) clearly that season three of this now two (laughs) parts anthology tv series by mike fan i mean look i loved season one and season two bored my absolute tits off so i'm not too bothered that there's not going to be a third and he's now going to go on
1: and he's focusing on other things he's done this other show for netflix which is called boyd midnight mass midnight mass And it sounds interesting. It's centred on an isolated island community that experiences supernatural events after the arrival of a mysterious priest. And it stars Kate Siegel and um, Henry Thomas and other people from the Haunting series. (laughs) So this is now what we're saying is the
0: third season of this anthology series that uses the same cast to tell supernatural stories. Fine, fine, good. I'm glad we have cleared that up uh what else is news i mean i guess it's kind of news that pretty much every production in the la area has kind of shut down uh they've all gone on extended hiatus haven't they so i think it's nearly 30 shows have essentially stopped and they're calling for all the others shut down as well due to the massive COVID outbreaks in la at the moment a lot of our favorite shows and let's be honest some of the ones aren't uh are currently on pause hmm. excellent i'm glad you have so many thoughts <laughs> yeah. on this on this subject <laughs>
2: What can you say about the deadly pandemic that just happens to be shutting down a few of your Um, tele-shows? I'm going for saying nothing and not looking insensitive about the dead people.
0: Well, I mean, look, look, it's not all bad because, because Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune are expected to resume shooting on January the 11th, as previously planned. So, hooray. Wow. Any other news or have we exhausted the news? I think we've exhausted it. Yeah. Okay, fine. Let's move on then to this week's reviews. Uh, and first up this week, we have a Discovery of Witches season two. Now, if you can only dimly recall the existence of a Discovery of Witches season one, that's because it aired back in 2018. uh It was a, actually it was quite a popular show, and it was renewed for another two seasons. But it's been a long old road, essentially, to get. Another fix of this show, and I guess given that this series sees the two protagonists, Matthew the Vampire and Diana the Witch, go back in time, maybe that's you know appropriate. But so these are based on uh, the Deborah Harkness books, which I have long described as YA, even though one listener was quick to write in and point out that they are in fact not YA books, as Diana isn't even remotely a teenager, since she's a professor at Yale University, <laughs> which is okay. I grant you a fair point. So. Not YA then, because she's just an A. But uh, this is, it, has, it has a YA ness about it. This series done, and it's kind of a, it's an urban fantasy world where there are witches and there are vampires and there are demons, and they all exist and they actually sit on a council of creatures hiding their existence from the world. Matthew, played by Matthew Good, and Diana, played by Laura Palmer, not Laura Palmer, <laughs> Teresa Palmer, <laughs> <laughs> Teresa Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bob <Barbara laughs> crawls through the window <laughs> yes. and Diana who's not played by Laura Palmer Diana who's played by Teresa Palmer f- fell in love in season one the council of creatures didn't approve of interspecies nookie and so they did what any young couple full of lust and illicit romance would do they cast a spell and fled back to Elizabethan London because reasons but, but that is where we pick up we pick up with them having, having gone back in time so Boyd was this for you the worst witch or the best witch
1: well i have to uh, admit that i stopped watching a discovery of witches i think after the second episode of season one <laughs> so back so i had to re-educate right. myself fully with the discovery of witches universe and i think i stopped watching not because i didn't like it particularly i just i just remember there being a huge amount of other stuff i had to do and i never really went back to it um <laughs> but I, so this is a kind of reset, isn't it? It's like they're sending them back in time to the Elizabethan era. So it's like a period yeah. kind of gothic quality to it. Um, and, you know, there's loads of interesting, there's kind of parallel universe thing going on, um, that Matthew Good's character is a completely different person, as far as I make out, to, another, to the version that everyone in this era knows him for. Particularly, I think the most interesting element of this new series is the arrival of Tom Hughes, as Christopher Marlowe, the actual historical figure, the playwright who was famously a rival for Shakespeare, and some bizarre Shakespeare buff conspiracy theorists think actually was Shakespeare, don't they? I think there's a whole kind of it was Marlowe Shakespeare thing going on. I think Emmerich has a thing or two to say about that. <laughs> right, Ronan Emmerich, exactly. Um, and he seems to have been a very, very close friend of Matthew. Within that, there, there's almost like he's quite a camp figure, he's playing it quite a camp over the top way. And I think that his performance, Tommy Hughes' performance, is very entertaining and interesting and enjoyable. There seems to be a slight hint there was almost more than just friendship between them. I don't know if that's something you've seen more of this, haven't you? I've only seen the first episode, um, I watched 4, but, yeah. Okay, but there definitely seems to be an allusion to the fact that they were very, very close. And apparently, Marlowe, the real character of Marlowe, the playwright, might have been, might have had gay relationships as well. Obviously, mm. at the time, it was completely. Frowned upon, illegal, etc. But I think there is definitely a kind of suspicions and and claims that he was um had relations with men. So I don't know how far they go with that um idea in this series. And uh, let's not spoil it anyway. But I thought that was a very interesting element. And I like and it's interesting because I feel like Tom Hughes and Matthew Good are quite similar actors. I often feel like they're almost, like, almost interchangeably in my mind. So when it was <laughs> announced that Tom Hughes was in, it, I was like, isn't he already in it? And no, it's just Matthew Good who's a bit older, but he's another good-looking posh. Dark-haired British yeah. actor in this show, so I think it's quite weird. Um, I enjoyed it. I think it's it's very well done. It's very well produced as expect from. It's a Bad Wolf production. You know, the people they've got mm. very good. They're very good at doing lavish. Uh, beautifully made cinematic TV. And I think this is another example of fairly, you know, fairly beautifully made cinematic TV. But again, I have to say when I got to the end of that first episode, the thing I wanted to know more about was the relationship between those two. And I didn't necessarily enjoy it. Trevor Eve is great. It pops up, you know, I've always liked Trevor Eve. It's got some really good people in it, but I don't know, there's something slightly stopping me from feeling it's going to be at the top of my watch list on a weekly basis. And I can't quite put my finger on what it is, but it's not quite, driving me narratively to keep watching in the way I might have hoped. Terry, what did you think?
3: I
2: was like, this is about, from what I can tell, and we'll get on to what I can and can't tell in a minute, a vampire and a witch who really like each other. Yeah. So I'm like, this is... Bang up my street, like throw in some sisterhood and some spells, um, and you know, some kind of like doomed, doomed, fatalistic love story, and I'm in. However, I definitely didn't watch all of this first season, and I, you know, I like to think I'm fairly. No, intelligent woman that I can grasp concepts and that I can follow narratives. But fuck me, could I tell what was happening in this? Like, (laughs) what was happening in this? I watched the first episode twice and I have. (laughs) Did you watch the
0: previously on?
2: What, the bit at the beginning? Yeah, because that yeah. does quite a
0: lot. There's, I mean, that moves a lot. <laughs> There's a There's lot, a lot in it.
2: You, are you mm. telling me if you just watch that one thing, you understand entirely what is I happening mean, in this TV show? No, probably no. not. But it
0: helped me because I haven't watched it in like the three years since it aired. So.
2: But if you haven't, let me, okay, let me say this. If you did not watch season one then either watch it or don't watch this is what <laughs> I, think I would that's say <laughs> so there are vampires there are witches there are demons um uh and yes there's this weird group there seems to be a truce or there was a truce um and people are dying and people are mad and there's loads of weird stuff happening which i don't understand any of it so i watched it twice couldn't tell you what was happening um and i think matthew good and Teresa palmer i am all here for them they have they have incredible chemistry i think they are absolutely magic on screen together but that is pretty much as much as i can tell you um or assess critically about this show because i have no idea (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it, but I, I don't know. If this is, is this is based on the second book. I I don't know because I'm not read the books. But um, yeah, the the first season was slightly different. It was about her coming into her powers. There's lots of more romancy stuff, and then there's the issue she has with the congregation, which really is just sort of Owen Teal and uh, and Trevor Eve kind of glowering at them and trying to kill them. And then you have this spell where they go back in part. So this is a very it's a kind of a soft reset for the whole show. Because they've gone into the past, which, of course, he, as a vampire, lived in. You know, you're almost inhabiting his old life in his old persona, you're seeing how he lived hundreds of years ago and what he was like then. So it's it's part sort of character study as he slips back into his old ways and becomes slightly more sort of feral and evil, um, like Angelus. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, yeah, I, it's it's one of these things where like season one of this, like when I watched it, I was like, okay, this is obviously rubbish, and yet it is a massive guilty pleasure, and I'm enjoying it in the same way that I might enjoy, for example, Fort Salem, although I do think that is better. This second season, like I said, I'm four episodes in, it's fine. Like I'm watching it, but I was watching it while wrapping presents, if I'm honest with you. Like I was definitely doing other things. Like it feels a little bit oh, four more episodes. labored. How many yeah. presents did you wrap? I had a lot of presents to wrap. Wow. <laughs> but so I was I was kind of, so it kept my attention to an extent, but I feel a little bit, and you know, maybe it gets much more pointed towards the end of the second season, but uh, I, I feel that it's not as strong as the first one, because you've got, you're in Elizabeth in London, and then you hop from there to the modern time, where you see what's going on with whoever's left there, and again, it's kind of like you occasionally see Owen Teal wandering around, sort of investigating clues, and then someone's getting killed here and there and then the stuff that's happening in Oxford just doesn't feel as compelling and all the while bear in mind this whole show is based around this magic book that only she can see (laughs) and that feels a little bit like they mention it occasionally, but the sort of book-based McGuffin seems to have been buried a little bit in this. They seem to have largely forgotten about it. There's an awful lot, given that they're generally on a quote-unquote mission, there's a lot of titting about, uh, which I rarely have patience for. But look, it's fine. And I think if people enjoy the Deborah Hartness books, I'm sure they'll they'll enjoy the show. But um, it's not essential viewing. And as Terry says, like unless you've seen season one, there's no point watching season two. And if you haven't seen season one, then... Maybe watch Fort Salem first. <laughs> that's that, that's that's my particular take on it. Anyway,
1: I don't think it's rubbish. You said in the middle it's not of that. Rubbish. I don't it's, No, it is no, rubbish. You, it, you but did, it's good you, rubbish. You know what I mean? <laughs> it is good rubbish. You know what you I you mean say when it's not I say rubbish? rubbish. I don't think it's rubbish in any way. I think it's. I think it's. Really? I think it's decent. Yeah, I think it's absolutely. De- I don't think it's rubbish. I think that's the yeah, wrong no i see see something like so fort
0: salem i don't i think is a guilty pleasure but i don't think is rubbish whereas this i think has a a a much sort of trashier vibe to it whereas i I still really enjoy it not in its production values like i think it's beautifully put together but it's just self-evidently nonsense like it's just it's it has that sort of patina like we've established it's not ya at all but it has that patina of ya lunacy (laughs) to it <laughs> I'm to totally patina. Patina. I can't believe Terry let patina
1: go. <laughs> I,
3: know, I'm, I know. I
1: know. I okay. mean, well, it's YA actually, patina, is why I'm saying it's yeah, rubbishy. I didn't get a YA trashy patina at all. <laughs> I, I actually could have done with it being more trashy than it actually is in a way. Like, oh, I think it's okay. quite classy. I think it's trying to be quite classy. I do. <laughs> I thought, but, you, I, know. you know what?
2: I, even though I had no fucking idea what was happening narratively, it looks amazing I mean it's you know and as you say Bad Wolf and disclaimer my book has been optioned by Bad Wolf so uh, I should preface that but I think they know how to make this kind of telly that you know his dark materials and this they know how to get especially this fantasy period um, stuff where it's all in the detail and it's all in the tone that they set Um, I think they're really good at that I think it it, I think it looks incredible production when it comes to production values I think you can't really fault it. Um, but you know, I I you could you could give me four hours sat here today and I couldn't tell you what happened apart from that those two people look really good together um and you know cloaks and stuff
0: i do look forward to your book adaptation coming out and also having a ya patina about it that would be a, <laughs> yeah <laughs> y. A.
2: Look, i'm just saying that i am someone who sat through
0: i'm someone who sat through every single episode of forever night do you remember forever night boy? oh my god <laughs> oh my god yeah i mean wow. talk, i mean if you're talking rubbishy Jesus. vampire shows like that is the king of all of them so yeah
2: and i don't think it's not viewed as it's not viewed as trashy i don't think right i think no, people who seem to saying, love it yeah. seem to like
0: yeah am i wildly out of step with this yeah. like, i watch Me. this and i find this guilty
1: pleasure trash No, that is so weird it could be much trashier than it is it's actually um it's just not trashy it's just the wrong word anyway we can argue
3: thicker? it's actually
1: the patina is completely different to how i'm, yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: I'm putting it across we can argue over oh, the patina damn. for, for patina. the rest of the time <laughs> Fine. All right. The trashy or not discovery of witches uh, begins on Sky One on Friday, January the 8th at 9pm. Next this week, we have the triumphant return of Cobra Kai. Uh, hopefully you all enjoyed our Cobra Kai special over the Christmas break. And as a special 2021 treat, the whole of season three dropped on Netflix as a surprise on New Year's Day. So that was very exciting. Uh, we pick up in season three after the big old school brawl at the end of uh, season two. Which sees Miguel in hospital, Johnny in the doghouse, and Robbie in the big house. Uh, This season has some surprise cameos. He's got a field trip to Okinawa. There's an eagle with teeth. uh, And there are even flashbacks to Vietnam because, of course, there are. Uh, Terry, you you were a Cobra Kai newbie. So, did this show, much like Johnny in the finale of the original movie, sweep you off your feet?
2: (laughs) Very good. Um, So, I was trying to work out why I didn't watch this, and I think I meant well I think I mentioned a couple of times that I caught like half an episode in passing because my boyfriend was watching it um and I was trying to get to the bottom because I loved karate Kid the movie it was one of the clutch of movies um along with uh, Rocky Four and the like that I watched obsessively on VHS um and so I love Karate Kid, and I love Don't even start with me. But I also love Karate Kid too, right? So I have
3: strong <laughs> oh, yeah, feelings about
2: about the franchise um, as a whole. Karate Kid, doing um, yeah, yeah. but you know one and two, I'm there. And mm. I was like, why did I refuse to watch it? And I think it was partly. Because it was this sleeper hit and everybody was talking about it. And it's why, you know, I didn't read Harry Potter because I was like, fuck that. Everybody's talking about it. Why would I want to then join that gang parade? And then I got to the real nub of the issue, which is I think that you really liked it. And I was like, no fucking way. Absolutely not. Um, So I knew we were reviewing season three. And I thought, look, you know as a la Discovery of Witches, I'm probably not going to get the most out of it if I just go in and watch season three. So I thought I'll watch season one, episode one, and I'll watch that to be able to, you know, just give me a grounding in it. And obviously it's that incredible opening, which tells you immediately that you're going to see this from Johnny's point of view, <laughs> where, you know, the final kick happens, the crane, and Johnny's face hits uh, the, what you call it? Matt. The- It's not a rug. What is it? Matt? It's
0: not a rug. It's (laughs) It's not (laughs) a rug. I routinely go to karate tournaments where they play on a fucking carpet. My my, my karate knowledge is showing himself
2: where his face hits the mat and... (laughs) And you start to hear Daniel um, celebrating off camera and we all know because we've all seen the film that that's mm. when Elizabeth's shoe runs on and Mr. Miyagi and his mum well Mr. Miyagi hangs back a bit because he's not the kind of guy to run onto the mat because you know he was a sensei and he was on anyway. or the rug but so or <laughs> the rug so um and it sticks with Johnny, and then he wakes... Oh, I'm I'm telling you all this like you've never watched it, by the way. Yeah, thanks and, for this. And then he wakes up in <laughs> bed, and, and you all know this because you've all watched it, but obviously he's now a 50-something, 50-something, I think. Welcome
0: drop- to Terry's live DVD commentary <laughs> of <laughs> yeah. season one of Cobra Kai.
2: <laughs> he's a handyman, and he's a loser. That's, that's quickly established. Now, I was like, I'm going to watch this one episode and then I'm going to watch season three so that I can review it for this podcast. And then I watched uh, all of season one, all of season two, and the first, I think, four, three, four episodes of season three. This is so brilliantly done and I must um, tip my hat to Boyd Hilton who has written a review of season three for for Empire Magazine and totally nails um, what is so beautiful about this and everything about this is brilliant right the way that it came back into life 34 years after the original film the fact it was on youtube red the fact that it was you know there for two two seasons before it was picked up by netflix or just one and then netflix bought it and it became this massive global word of mouth hit and it's it everything on paper about the show should be shit right because it's it's picking up so far after it is slightly schmaltzy they use original footage from the original film which i i can't remember when i've ever seen that done well especially with a gap like this um But there is something, there is magic about this show that I just cannot put my finger on. And season three, from what I've seen so far, completely keeps that magic up. So as you said, season two ends with this actually incredibly well choreographed fight at this high school so the two rival dojos um obviously Daniel's um and Cobra Kai under Johnny they go at it and the whole school ends up in this brawl and this is the thing is this is slightly far fetched there's there's a lot about this that is slightly far fetched but you don't really care because you're just fully in it so they have this incredibly well choreographed fight but Robbie who is obviously Not only Johnny's son, but Daniel's student does a runner after injuring Miguel, who he kicks off a balcony. um, (laughs) And it opens as Miguel's in hospital, laid up. Robbie's done a runner. And Daniel and Johnny, especially Daniel, are getting loads of shit um, because it's their students and slash kids who were fighting. It's it's brilliantly maintained all of this incredible energy and momentum you had in season two it picks up right there in season three and it's dealing with things in an incredibly earnest way even when they're super cheesy and Boyd mentions this thing in the review which is the thing one of the things I love most about it is which is how fucking meta it is both in terms of how (laughs) how it uses original Karate Kid footage which by the way makes me just want to cry every time I can't work out why it's like pressing this weird emotion button I have um, but also how it riffs on other relevant stuff. So I was writing notes about the bit where you know, essentially, they team up Johnny and Daniel to go and try and find Robbie. And I, I um, was saying to my boyfriend, "Oh my God, it's like a, it's like a um, uh, a buddy comedy." And then there's a line about it being like Tango and Cash. Everything you think in your head is actually said on screen, and. It, in some respects, you could see it as heavy handed, but it's not, it's like brilliantly self-referential. It both takes itself incredibly seriously and doesn't take itself seriously at all. And they have I think they're even massively stepping it up in season three because, excitingly, you have returning characters. Now, these returning characters are out in the world if you choose to look on social media. I'm not going to mention them specifically. Because one of them, especially, comes in very late in the series, and I don't want it to be a spoiler, and the weird thing is it's like Bobby right, so Ron Thomas plays Bobby, who was obviously one of the Cobra Kai fighters. I think he's the one who said, "Um, get the body bag he's the he when he's in it, it's like it's this beautiful little echo to the films that is just so i I can't. I can't explain why it's so emotional, but it is. And I'm so excited by these other, whether they're cameos or kind of more substantial parts, bringing back these other characters. So I just, as you can probably tell, I just love this. I think, like, they all give everything to it. None of them are bothered about being self-conscious or being cool or, you know. They all, all of them, whether it's the kids um, or it's the original Johnny and Daniel LaRusso, they both give, they just give everything and they're totally in it and they're totally committed Um, and I just love this I just honestly think it's brilliant and I'm so gutted that I let it go by for so long but now I kind of Feel like it's such a treat. I just love, and I'm banging the desk.
0: Please I don't care the desk. if it
2: irritates you because that's how much I love Cobra Kai.
0: Right now, obviously, now I can have. I know that you. This is my smug face. I know you may confuse it with my regular face because I'm always <laughs> looking fairly smug, but I'm feeling extra smug at the moment. Although Boyd should be feeling even more smug because he's the one who got me onto it. So yeah, thanks, uh, Boyd. He did this. I mean, we we know what you think because you've literally written a review that's on the website. Yeah. But you know.
1: Oh, I, I I absolutely love it. Yeah, and I think it is it is, as Terry was saying, it's almost it's really hard to to grasp why it works. so I think it's just they pay so much attention to keeping all the different elements um going, and they work so hard. They work really hard on making the characters um massively um appealing and endearing and and kind of actually three dimensional in a way. Like you know, it's not so even though. The, the, the older versions, you know, Ruff Machio, for example, is like a cheesy figure, you know, now, especially because he's basically like a car salesman almost. Um, <laughs> but within that context, you know, especially when it goes back to Okinawa, it's so lovely the way they do that. Like that element of it, like you think they you know how that's going to play out and then they pull the rug, there's a rug pull there. in that. So every detail, whether it be making the characters... Three-dimensional and you really making you sure you care about them, to the very knowing element, which is really wryly funny all the way through, and they're mm. constantly undermining the um how much it's taking itself seriously or isn't taking itself seriously. Um, like there's th- there's the whole story in, in um in the third season of the fact that uh Miguel is injured in hospital, and you know, he's he generally doesn't know whether he can use his legs or move his or feel and have feel and the way they deal with that, which is is quite incredible quite comic like you know people saying fire to his legs at one point to see if he can feel anything like they go it's quite daring the way they go with the humour of it it's really funny and yet at the same time you do care you want him to recover uh, from the injury and you want him to be fine and things like that just is just really brilliantly judged and people I've seen reviews of it where people complain about that you know that's another tonal shift the tonal shift thing is it supposed to be funny is it supposed to be self-referential are you supposed to care is it sincere it's all those things somehow it's sincere as it is knowing and self-aware and that's such a hard trick to pull off and i think it's just because everyone seems to be doing their utmost working really hard with it's the acting the performances the the ambition of it you know sending them sending him back to japan all of that you know bringing back old characters in a very smart really really kind of uplifting hugely entertaining way every single element of the it's really working hard and I think that shows that you know it's like an object lesson how to revive an old thing isn't it it's like do it like this because it's clever and smart and imaginative and it's not it's not often it's not what how you expect it to be and it's different from the films and as you say those use the way it uses the clips is that that's just sums it up for me from there because it's like nostalgia and yet it's like wryly observing almost Mm. what it was like what those films were like back then and what made them kind of what made people love them but also what made them a bit cheesy and a bit silly it's kind of acknowledges all of that somehow in this unbelievably um brilliant recipe for a tv show yeah it's so, i love it so much
2: i mean even the exact dialogue right there's the bit where obviously robbie's been injured in an exact mirror of daniel and he's out and a there's a the bit where where ralph machio does the thing like mr Miyagi, starts yeah. to rub his hands together and then he goes medic and it's just yeah, a yeah. brilliant piece <laughs> of humor
3: but then yeah. even
2: when you know he de- they're about to award the trophy to miguel And the woman runs on and says, whispers in his ear And the announcer says Daniel LaRusso's going to coach Daniel LaRusso's going to coach And it's the exact mirror of Daniel LaRusso's going to fight Daniel LaRusso's going to fight in the original That detail to the original film Right down to specific lines of dialogue Which they then either invert or do entirely sincerely Is like it's that and it it feels like as you say it's that commitment from everybody to do it properly it's not half-assed it's kind of fully engaged with both the original films but also this new i just it's like it's like magic i don't i honestly don't know how they do it
0: it's a it's a hard thing to pin down isn't it because it's like tonally it is it is it's like sometimes it's really earnest and then it's utterly daft at other times but all the way through it almost perfectly nails what sort of like warm nostalgia should be like it, it, it and, it's, and it's a show that on paper should not work on any level at all mm. and yet is genius uh, i've got so much time for this show i think it's fantastic in fact i've banged on about it so much in the past so i probably won't do much more of it now i will say i this third season is perhaps and i do love it i think it is possibly my least favorite of the three oh. and i think maybe because yeah i've seen it yeah i've watched it all in october terry Oh, yes, did. Um, but uh, yeah, I, no, so I, I like it a lot. I think my main issue is with this one is that whereas the comedy has been quite surface level all the way through, it's it sort of takes a, a slight, a slight backseat in this one where the tone goes more earnest and less comedic. I think most of the comedy is around Miguel's rehab and there's loads of really funny stuff there. But other than that, there's not an awful lot of laughs in this one. It felt like it could have done with a little bit more. Of that. And in fact, there's a couple of really dark scenes in it as well and there's a couple of slightly odd shifting loyalties but I can kind of forgive that but like, it's a, it's a great season so love this still think it's great and I do think this season more than the others has actually amped the nostalgia up a whole other level uh, yeah. and and you know they've, they've really gone the extra mile within it it's great I'm fascinated to see where they go with this in season four which of course has been greenlit already um, it is a great show if you're not already watching it you really really should as Terry has evidence with her massive reverse ferret <laughs> Um it's
2: <laughs> not reverse ferret because I bit, didn't say I didn't like it because you'd never
0: seen the ferret in the first place. I, I yes, hadn't okay, seen the fair ferret. enough.
2: It was I finally viewed the ferret.
0: <laughs> yes, you finally saw the ferret and you liked the ferret. I
2: liked the ferret.
0: Whatever that is. Um anyway, that's available now in its entirety on Netflix. Go and watch it. Finally this week is the long-anticipated, updated adaptation of Stephen King's The Stand. Uh, This was previously adapted as a miniseries back in 1994, and this most epic of Kingian tomes gets the peak TV treatment this year, with Josh Boone and Benjamin Cavill adapting the novel. Uh, This is about a deadly plague that wipes out most of the population. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Uh, With the survivors drawn to either Mother Abigail, a kindly Whoopi Goldberg, or Randall Flagg, a smouldering Alexander Skarsgård sporting double denim. Boyd, could you stand this adaptation?
1: Yeah, I could stand it. Um I I'm trying not to compare it too much to like The Outsider, for example, which was last year's um mostly excellent Stephen King adaptation on HBO. Which you still had issues with. My issues with The Outsider were with the Stephen King original story. Um yeah, where it goes fair, I feel fair. I felt the story goes off the rails and the and the TV show did its very utmost best to avoid Doing that, but in the end couldn't because the story <laughs> just goes off the rails. Um, but in terms of how it was made and the tone of it, establishing a very, very realistic, um, gripping, brilliantly made tone, I thought I thought the outsider was was fantastic. This so in compare, and I'm trying not to compare because this is a different type of show. This is a very a, another beautifully made, which so sh- seems to be show up by Josh Boone of um, of the 14 hour Stars and of course the New Mutants fame um, mm. and it's it, it feels like it is very cinematic it looks beautiful it's got it's it, it's trying to underline the epic sweep of it so the fir- the first shot is like huge big um panning across a massive field of wheat or whatever with a p- portentous <laughs> voiceover talking about the end of the world and all of that it does of course go along with the tedious narrative device, it starts, with a, it starts <laughs> in a certain like place with the, 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 the bloody virus, the global <laughs> pandemic virus has had this terrible effect on people. Then it flashes back to when the virus was developing. There's lots of flashing back and forward and sideways yeah. and characters are introduced, then it flashes back to show that character in a certain, you know, they give some of their backstory. And I always feel, and I feel with, you know, like with the Stephen King story, Particularly his storytelling, whatever you think of him as as a writer, whether you like his style or, you know, whether you like his, his his stories, his obsession with bullying, which seems to be at the crux of almost every single book and story he's ever told, and this is <laughs> no exception. He knows how to tell a fucking story, right? And I don't think it needs that narrative tricksiness. I don't think, you know... I th- Telling the story in a fairly straightforward style with Stephen King seems to me the best way of doing it. In terms of you know not playing with the time, it doesn't need that. His storytelling is great. He knows how to make you care about the characters and care about the storyline and to advance the storyline. So I feel like this one, they're all going, oh, how can we make it feel really modern and with it? And apart from mentioning Instagram in the first episode, which I thought was really clunky, <laughs> um, I just didn't need that element. And it kind of, if you sweet, if you stop worrying about that, if you stop worrying about the fact that every character gets his own flashback and then flash sideways and then flash forward. It's, it's, I actually was, I pretty much enjoyed it more than I felt. And I think it has had fairly um, harsh criticism from the American Mm. critics. It's been on for a few weeks, I think, isn't it? In, in America on CBS, all access it's on stars by here. I actually think it's doing a pretty good job of capturing the Stephen King essence, which is of this, these, these characters who are, As I say, often bullied, and finding the kind of psychological route to their to to their obsessions and their issues and their psychological problems, and I feel and I think it's very well cast. I think James Marsden is great as this kind of Tom Cruise figure, who's um, one of the few people who isn't affected by the virus and and becomes a becomes a kind of heroic action hero. Um, Owen Teague's really good as the bullied Harold, who Mm. is kind of has major issues. there, there are like you know, there are issues with the show there are like slightly creepy uh male gaze issues but that i think goes back to stephen king i think that's a stephen <laughs> king issue that the show does not uh, does mm. not deal with particularly well um and they're definitely and there's definitely problems with that and the first episode doesn't really establish takes a long time to get to the fact that there's the alexander scars Scar- Scar versus whoopi goldberg conflict it doesn't it, it only introduces them very briefly and then I I watched episode two where you get more into the crux of that and the crux of the story I am but I am kind of gripped by it and I think I might carry on watching it just because I kind of want to see how it deals with some of the more extreme elements of the original Mm -hmm. novel which I remember reading when it came out when I was quite young I'm being incredibly shocked and appalled by the stuff that Stephen King gets into in this book (laughs) Um, you know orgies and the Stephen King and sex there's a whole I mean he is he has got a weird attitude, hasn't he, towards sex and sexual? I mean, he has got issues. And, <laughs> and women. I mean, and women. The, the right? sex scene in it, I think, is probably more right. upsetting. but... Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, the sex scene in it is the most upsetting thing, one of the most upsetting things ever written. But I, I, I'm i interested in the way that all the TV and film adaptations of his stuff have kind of have to work around that and deal with that. <laughs> tiptoe around I, it. Yeah, tiptoe around <laughs> it. And I note with interest that the final episode of this miniseries is written by him. Himself. Yes, it's a new a, ending though. He's yeah. changed
0: the ending, and he's written and it himself. Which I was an interesting so, development. Mm.
1: I am going to carry on watching it. It is flawed. There are creepy elements to it, but the cast. I mean, James Marsden, Whoopi Goldberg, Alexander Skarsgård, Amber Heard, um, mm. Greg Kinnear. You know, J.K. Simmons pops up for five minutes. A very effective Heather five Graham minutes as well. Yeah, in the first episode. So it's it's a big old production, and it does look lavish. And it, I feel like all the money is up there on the screen. If you can deal with its issues, of which there are quite a few, then I then then I think people will enjoy it. Because people have been roasting this alive, haven't they? Like it's it's gone a lot. Stephen
0: King fans are particularly, I think, protective of his work. I do think this has suffered from like. I don't know what they were thinking with the, with the, with the, the, the hopping timeline thing. I mean, admittedly, yeah. I fucking hate that device more than you hate it in that I don't just hate the cold open, you know, two days earlier thing. I hate that kind of lost thing where you have a central story and you keep getting pulled out of it by finding out what happened previously. It's like, oh, fuck off. Come just stick with, yeah. tell me the story. And it pulls me out of the narrative and I find it really hard to get back. Away, you did the same thing and I just couldn't get on with it because of that. It's like, tell one story or tell the other story. I can't be dealing with both at the same time but I think what makes this slightly more problematic is that you routinely go into episodes thinking have I missed an episode because they made the first three available I've seen the first three and then you start an episode you're like oh is this have I skipped ahead like what's happening because They start with, you know, well into the pandemic, well into kind of like the apocalypse, and then they go back and fill in the gaps. But until they fill in the gaps, you don't know who these people are. You don't know what is going on. You haven't got a clue what is happening. And I found that really, really hard to get back from because it constantly kept sort of knocking me off track. And I found that like, so they've got 10 episodes. It's a 10 hour adaptation. So, and there's a lot of story to tell. Bear in mind that this is like, what, a 1,200 page book in its uncut form. and yet there's one whole episode with Larry wading around in the sewers for most of it. And you're like, is this the best use of your time, really? Like, is this the best use of a narrative hour of storytelling to have him wandering around a sewer? I don't think it is. And I feel like they've really dropped the ball here. Like, it feels like it's so uneven. It has moments where it's great and it has moments where it's deeply tedious and the quality seems to skew depending on what part of the story they're trying to tell and it really bugged me um, also they're doing that thing where they, it seems like they've taken that cheesy 1994 one which I am an apologist for I don't I mean it's not great but I still quite enjoy it and they've added loads of really grim horror to it like the horror is really amped up in this and yeah. then I thought how can we make it feel a bit peak TV I know let's do some crazy mad narrative with it and it's just like and let's see if we can just exhaust everyone who's trying to watch it now All of that said, I'm going to watch all of this and I'm really enjoying it because there's something about this story and it's not just because this is the most 2020 slash 21 show ever made. Like it's incredibly now because of the pandemic it feels like it really hits home and all of the themes of it seem to have finally like really sort of landed. Um, There is something quite compelling. I mean there's a reason why it's one of if not Stephen King's most popular book. It's an incredible story brilliantly told and even though they have slightly fudged the telling of it here it's still an incredible story at its heart. You just have to dig a little deeper to find that story so i don't think they've done a brilliant job adapting this but i think the story will out as it were like it's still a great tale in there you know and so bear with so i mean hopefully and i'm fascinated with the what this new king ending is but i'm enjoying it so far and it's very much a case of like i'm desperate for them to give me more episodes because i want to i want to keep on with this terry
2: well first of all there is no need for a flashback within a flashback like (laughs) I don't even know what to call that I was like hang on is a flashback inside a flashback even a flash like a flashback squared like what even is that um Between that and like what I took to be dream sequences, um, and uh, they were constantly around. I was thinking about you, Boyd, the entire time, not in a weird way, in a way of like going, (laughs) Boyd will be hating this so passionately. Clearly, very ambitious. As Boyd said, the money is on the screen. Like, Clearly, clearly, clearly. And I kind of enjoyed the... I, I read this when I was a teenager and I felt like they'd really tried with this first episode to focus because it is such a sprawling, epic, ambitious story. I think with any King story it's a fucking nightmare to adapt for the screen and i enjoyed the fact they clearly tried to harness a bit more focus especially in this first episode to bring people into the world and to build a little bit of the world hence kind of you know focusing on these three characters now let's talk about harold shall we <laughs> so and this is this is part of my king issue which is um so initially i'm like you know he's the classic bullied kid he's meant to be our kind of potentially our eyes or our point of view into this world. And then I'm like, but hang on because he is an incel. He is an incel. Mm. Like for want of a better word, mm. um, you know, dark web, angry young man, wanking furiously, um, <sighs> massively PP like, you know, you were peeping through the hole, you little fucker. No wonder they kicked the <laughs> shit out of you. Now, I'm not saying he deserved it, but I'm saying that n- narratively, that was quite, I was trying to kind of find my footing with that because I felt like that was a sympath, uh, the setup was very sympathetic, but actually, you know, he's a very problematic character and nobody needs the wanking, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> do they? Do they know? <laughs> um so yeah, I mean also, why is why does he need we do have Instagram, we know that because you mentioned it. So why do you need to wank to a physical picture of her? Like
1: go that on. That was the so internet. funny. That was so funny. He's literally got a little scr- a scrunched up photo that he's yeah. clearly been wanking to a lot. <laughs>
2: What have you it's- done? Have you gone to like a weird internet cafe to print that out? Because <laughs> you could just look on the internet and wank over there. Um, so I think I was, I think I, I was more annoyed by that than anything else. Yeah, I mean, this I actually did really enjoy the book uh, when I was a kid, but I don't think this is uh, really for me. I mean, there's certain bits. I mean, that opener, as Boyd said, I mean, it's it's kind of quite cliche in many respects, but um you know the opening there's a there's a a shot with loads and loads and loads of dead bodies at the beginning just so you understood how deadly the virus was i mean it's 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 really out there and goes for it all um but i especially at this point when we are getting into the 10th month of dealing with our own virus i do not need quite frankly <laughs> i need the opposite of this i need cobra kai to lift me mass out graves mm. and
1: not where you want to start i don't
2: need mass <laughs> graves and worms worms coming out of mouths.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask about that because, in a way, because this this virus in in this sh- in the stand is so horrendous, and the I have to yeah. say the makeup effect the mm. the on that you get when they when you know they're really about to die from it is grotesque, is brilliantly grotesque and horrible. Yeah. It weirdly did make me feel better about this virus that we're dealing with. I'm <laughs> like, well, at least it's not yeah. as bad as the one in the stand. You know, we and we just have to deal with Alison Pearson talking shit. They have to deal with you yeah. know like actual fascists. Lunatic quasi religious nutcases. I have I've been dreaming about Dr. Fauci <laughs> telling me to come meet him in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, it's Dr. Fauci versus Alison Pearson for me. It's like the equivalent yeah, exactly. like, <laughs> <laughs> would be Goldberg versus Alison Skarsgård. But, um, <laughs> but I did think, it, uh, for me, the best thing about it, it does capture the weirdness of Stephen King, though. But actually, the wanking to the photograph is so Stephen King, isn't it? It's yeah. like, yeah, mm-hmm. that, is, yeah. that mm. is what he's like. And the fact that that character is a failed author is also really interesting, yeah. isn't it? I mean, he's, he's literally <laughs> the Stephen King figure. I mean, there is a, Stephen King does have a certain self-awareness, I think, that he is a bit freaky and weird and, you know, and... and, and and problematic i think he is aware of it and i think that is part of this character and how he's written and what mm. he does is all part of that whole awareness of what he's like i think like so the first
0: we've seen the first three well, i've seen the first three um i think the first three or four will be this kind of like side call, prequel back call dream call whatever you want to call them calls <laughs> as they try and do this this sort of is establishing character episodes and once you've established the main cast because we've done most of that it seems to be essentially one character or group of characters per episode that mm. they're establishing once that's done presumably we then get on with the driving narrative but again i just think that was such a massive mistake like you should have alternated between those and like pasted out so it felt like you were going on a journey because this is a journey film like you want to be going on a journey with these characters and i find that i found that really derailed by the fact that each episode focuses on one specific character and tells their story in the present and in the past i just it was i i just think a tricky you know storytelling choice and maybe it's because this has had an incredibly long and tortured production process this was originally apparently going to be four movies and then it was going to be a series with a movie at the end of it you know it's been in development for years and then finally they settled on this format um but we'll see. This may be one sort of one that we can reevaluate once we've been able to watch all 10 episodes and sort of see, you know, whether they did stick the landing or how it goes. So I guess we'll revisit this in time. But uh, in the meantime, if you can navigate Amazon's fucking horrific UI, <laughs> <laughs> you, you can find the stand on Stars Play, which you can access via Amazon, although you can access it via other routes depending on which devices you've got. You don't just get it through Amazon. Uh, it is available on Stars Play. And uh, so the first episode is now available, and, you know, others will come in time. So, hooray. Boydie, what else is on that we have not spoken about?
1: Yeah, there's quite a lot on this week. So I wanted to mention a teacher, which I referred to before, which stars um, Kate Mara um, as a youngish teacher at texas high school and um she has has an affair with um a a i think he's 17 or 18 this is probably quite crucial how old he is but anyway he's around 17 18 and he is a hunky um football soccer player played by nick robinson um and it's kind of an exploration it's actually um created by hannah fidel and she she did wrote created an indie film which came out a few years ago uh called a teacher with a different cast and this is so what they've done is they've kind of taken that Story of a woman having a female teacher having an affair with a teenage male pupil, and they've turned into a ten-part miniseries. I think it's, I, th- I think it's really interesting. It's really well done. Um, the acting's brilliant, and, it, and the exploration, particularly of what makes her tick. Kate Mara's character, she there's there's like a kind of she's really enjoys the danger of this um, illicit relationship, and um, the there's it's, it's very, I think it's very well drawn. Her relationship with her husband, she's married to this kind of slightly annoying nerdy guy who wants to play be in a band, and um, it, you, I think it's quite I, I believe the whole, it's very believable. It's very authentic, I think, and um, it's it's from FX in America, and I think FX is on a massive roll. What we devs and other loads of other stuff that I can't remember what was on effect. So that's a teacher. It started um last on Sunday night on BBC Two. It carries on um tonight as we're recording this Monday, but it's all on iPlayer already. So it says a you can watch it as a box set. And it's half hour episodes which makes it quite digestible, I think. Staged is back, series two of that um lockdown thing with Michael Sheen and David Tennant that was really funny. One of the best lockdown things. It's all filmed in Zoom style. Um and a lot of those Zoom things can be annoying. I think this is one of the best mm. ones because they're playing exaggerated comic versions of themselves and they are really, really funny together, I think. That starts tonight, Monday the fourth, BBC One, nine forty-five. Um Dickinson is back on Apple TV plus on Friday for its second season. Um uh, which you know, we—I don't think we loved it the first season, but I,
0: I didn't mind I it. Although did. I didn't carry oh, on no, watching I hated it. it. No, you hated <laughs>
3: yeah, it. You, hated it, right, you yeah. really
0: didn't like it at I all. Hated
1: it. Yeah. Yeah, you hated it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I
0: didn't mind it. it. I hated it. Oh.
1: <laughs> that's a reverse it was one of the two. <laughs> yeah, it was one of the two. Um, and I think that's kind—that's of, mainly it. Yeah, I think that's mainly it. Yeah. Oh, Traces okay. is back. BBC One is showing Traces, which was on Alibi, which we reviewed, and they're showing that um, tonight, Mondays and Tuesdays. What every was week. Traces? I don't know. Really we was didn't more like more it. Appraiser- yeah, Martin Comston, do you remember? It was like um forensic lab. She joins a forensic oh, lab. Oh, the, 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 the with the toaster, the bit with the toaster. Yeah, yes. toaster, exactly. Yeah, the
0: bit with the, exactly. the, oh, the show with the toaster,
1: the I remember. The show with that. the toaster. <laughs> yes, yes. And it, it shows you how there are content issues because Channel 4 started showing the greats, the Catherine the Great, which is mm. excellent, by the way. That's one of the best things I think that we slightly. Um, I mean, we reviewed it really, really but that, we, that, that I raved do really liked about it. that. Yeah, no, we did rave, yeah, raved right. about that. You raved about that, but <laughs> that gets better, really better and better and better as well as it goes on. The ten episodes of that. So Channel Four showing that, BBC showing traces, like they're definitely getting to the point where they're just showing stuff that's already been on another channel, um, in the hope that not that many people will have watched them. There's a lot of that going on. And of course, there's a new season of New Amsterdam Boy. You'd be very excited to. <laughs> oh God, that was the uh, annoying, not very good. Sub house medical drama. Yeah. Mm, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so pick of the week.
2: Oh, Cobra Kai.
1: Cobra Kai, yeah. God, yeah. I was thinking, oh, maybe it's the stand. No, it's Cobra Kai, of course. It's no, Cobra it is Cobra Kai. Kai. Yeah.
0: It is absolutely Cobra Kai Right And with that That is it For the very first Pilot TV podcast Of 2021 Uh, We hope you didn't Miss us all too much Over Christmas But if you did Then by all means Do tell us how much On Apple Podcasts Accompanied by a 5 star rating Or tell us directly On social media At James C Dyer At Terry underscore white And at Boyd Hilton There is a whole heap Of stuff Coming to your screens Next week Including WandaVision On Disney Plus Which we 100% Will not be allowed To see (laughs) in time Uh, So you'll have to wait for the week after to hear what we thought about that or or just subscribe to the empire spoiler special podcast as we'll be doing episode by episode spoiler reviews of that show as it airs in the meantime i have at least another 15 hours of raiding pillaging and monastery burning as i sprint for the vikings finish line skull pilot out